Good morning, baseball fans, and welcome to episode 50, the big 5-0 of the Morning Round Trip podcast. My name is Drew Frank, joined by my co-host Liam Crothers. Hello and good morning. And here on August 29th, we are reporting a pretty sizable trade, I'd say. I'd say definitely bigger than the Taiwan Walker move, and it's the biggest we've seen so far. As Tommy LaStella heads to a division rival from the Angels... To the Oakland A's. So there were reports that the Angels were sellers, despite the optimism people had for the making playoffs. And now we see it come to fruition. We've got the 31-year-old's pending free agent, Tommy LaStella, who will now join the Oakland A's and probably play second base for the rest of the year. You might see him get some time DHing, but it looks like he'll just straight up take over for Tony Kemp. And going the other way, in a one-for-one deal, it's Franklin Barreto, who now at age 24 was at one point a top 30 prospect back in 2016. But the bat just hasn't developed. He's had 219 plate appearances at the major league level, and he's slashing 180, 210, 360, and has appeared in parts of now four seasons, but has never really stood out or earned any playing time. He's 0 for 10 with seven strikeouts to start the year. Not looking great on his side of the deal, going to the Angels, and maybe they see something. Maybe there wasn't much of a market in this season where people think there's a chance we don't get to playoffs. I don't really know. But for the A's, I mean, it's hard to complain about this trade. I think if you're the Oakland Athletics, this is a tremendous trade. Tommy LaStella, a guy who is 31 years old, is hitting 273 right now and just under 100 at-bats on the year. I mean, he's hitting a whole lot better than Franklin Barreto's hitting. Um, I, I just... I don't understand how you don't get more from this deal if you're the Los Angeles Angels. I mean, Tommy LaStella was a guy who can play pretty much anywhere in the field. He's he's very versatile. He'll play a lot of middle infield, and that's probably where he'll end up sitting. But he can DH for you if you need him to. He can play a little bit of the outfield. He could play up the middle, like I said. I just it's it's very strange that the Los Angeles Angels weren't able to go out and maybe find a, a higher bidder for a guy like Tommy Listella, a, a talented bat like he is, even in age 31 season. The first name I think of is Washington. I mean, I'm not sure how they don't have, offer more here. Carter Keeboom was just optioned. They don't have an answer at third base right now. They lost Castro for a bit. I mean, I, I think it makes sense there. But for the fact that no one was offering more than Bredo, that could be a bad sign. Because if you look at the other trades, the only other trade we're reporting from yesterday was that the White Sox traded for Gerard Dyson, the speedy pinch runner defensive replacement. And the Pittsburgh Pirates got back a player to be named later. Look, the Taiwan Walker deal, they got a player to be named later. Dan Vogelback before that, just cash. So, Barreto's the first player that we've actually seen move as a trade return, and maybe it could be a sign that the market's just not there. I mean, you know owners, the, the for how long the players sat out with the owners trying to figure out the cash, you know, money might be tight, you know, with no fans in the seats, people might not be looking to buy too much, and... I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be interesting to see. We've got three more days worth of trades left between today, tomorrow, and the deadline itself. And I'm a little hesitant to to see that maybe this will be a bit more of a boring trade deadline if people aren't really willing to push their chips in. 
if this is dictating the way the market's going to be like for the rest of the year, I don't expect anything crazy to happen. I don't think you're going to see any massive deals pulled off with uh, huge prospects going one way and tremendously talented major leaguers going the other way. And maybe that's a, a result of the expanded playoffs. Maybe that's a result of the, I guess, the the COVID influence because maybe guys don't uh, don't have as much confidence in moving guys around for what will be 30 games in the end of a regular season. I, I don't know. It's, it's very strange, but I don't think the market's going to be uh, very active this year. We got an update from Jeff Passan on the bubble status. He said it's basically a done deal that there will be a bubble, saying that the Dodgers and Padres will host the AL, and the Rangers and Astros will host the NL. They've already booked the hotels in Arlington. They are still working out the details like protocols, you know, whose family, how much family is allowed in the bubble. But an interesting thing they said was that even for the last week of the regular season, whether you're at home, whether you're on the road, all teams are going to have to stay in hotels so that when playoff time comes, those players are already isolated with their teams so that they can just go straight into playoffs. They don't need to get everyone into the bubble because they'll have separate little pockets of isolation they put together. So seems like an interesting structure, but the, the piece of news there is that Jeff Bazin says it is basically a done deal. On the injury front, we've got... Aaron Judge back on the IL, looking at about three more weeks for him, which is just really tough. A guy that was well out in front in the home run lead, and things just fell right off the tracks. Walker Bueller, we, did, we didn't mention yesterday, he is also in the 10-day IL. Not as dire a situation. The Dodgers will be fine without him. David Peterson comes back for the Mets, a guy that was filling in for injuries before he got hurt and then had to fill in for injuries where they were filling in for injuries. But now he helps relieve their rotation struggles just a little bit. And a few other guys coming back this week. We could see DJ LeMahieu tomorrow. We could see Madison Bumgarner early next week. And both of those guys would help their teams that have been slipping as of late. Finally, two other quick notes, both uh, involving former sluggers, both in very different directions. The first one, A-Rod looks like he's out with the Mets. It seems the A-Rod-led ownership bid has been pulled out, and it seems like it's just Steve Cohen left to try and purchase the team. And Manny Ramirez, at 48 years old, has signed a one-year deal with the Sydney Blue Sox to play in the Australian Baseball League. Gotta love that. Ramirez himself, of course, spent some time in Cleveland, and man, their bats were buzzing last night. They faced St. Louis. We mentioned it was Daniel Bons de Leon on the mound. Well, he didn't even get to see his team bat before he was pulled from the game. He only goes two-thirds of an inning, giving up two hits, four walks, and four earned. The four walks were what really did it. By the time he walked his fourth batter, Schilt just pulled him. This game finishes up 14-2, but the winning run was already scored for Cleveland before St. Louis even came to bats. Framil Reyes launched a three-run shot in the top of the first, and with how the pitching was for, for St. Louis, that would do it, because Tristan McKenzie, he looks strong again. McKenzie looks strong again, but, you know, it almost didn't matter. I mean, when your <laughs> bats are this good, it, it you can put together whatever performance you like on the mound, so long as your team doesn't give up 14 runs. Uh, only one of Cleveland's starters in this one didn't record a hit, and that was Jordan Luplo, which is just all you need to know about how hot the bats were in this game. They were swinging it very, very well. 
Uh, but, you know, like you said, Tristan McKenzie, four innings, three hits, two earned runs, three walks, which is a little bit, uh, you know, dicey in four innings. But he did strike out three. And, you know, it's like I said, if you can pitch decently, as long as you don't give up 14 runs, I think you're going to be OK. And how about Carlos Santana? He hit a home run to make it 6 nothing. But he also reached on five of his six plate appearances, goes two for three with three walks. He just continues to single-handedly dominate that walks category, brings his on-base percentage up to 414 on the year. Dominant showing from the Indians. We also saw the bats come alive in Arizona last night as they demolished the Giants. This one, final score 7-4. Looks like it was a close one, but it was 7-1 going into the ninth inning where San Fran scrambled for three runs then top of the ninth to try and mount a comeback, but it was too little too late. Zach Gallen shut them down for seven innings of one-run ball. He made one mistake. It was a pitch to Evan Longoria that he pulled down the left field line for a solo shot. Other than that, nothing against Zach Allen. He gets the record we talked about multiple times on the show. The most starts to begin a career with three earned runs or less in a major league history. Now, that might seem cherry-picked, three earned runs or less, but, I mean, that's where you draw the line for a quality start. I think that is as valid as ever. This guy has been extremely impressive and their best pitcher, their most valuable player as they try to stay in this hunt. Yeah, exactly. And with three runs or less, you're always going to give your team a chance to to compete in a ball game. Now, does that account for your bats or your bullpen? No, but it accounts for your starter's performance. And if a guy can go six innings or seven innings of two or one run ball, it, it's always going to help the team out. And I think that Zach Allen has been almost invaluable to this team uh, since Merrill Kelly got hurt because he's just been so good. And, you know, we saw it again in this one, like with seven innings of one run ball, I mean, he only walked one and he struck out five. Zach Allen is a really strong piece for this Arizona Diamondbacks rotation. And moving forward, he is going to be a key piece of what they try to do out in Arizona. Gallon now second in the NL with innings pitched. He's doing it well and he's doing it a lot. This guy, so, so good for them. Not so good. Tyler Anderson last night. We saw him just a week ago put up a complete game, one run outing against these Diamondbacks, and they watched the video, they studied the tapes, they put up seven earned on them, and we mentioned Gallon on the mound, that game was iced early on. They're still in last place in that West, but you gotta win some games, you gotta take games off teams like the Giants if you're going to try to work your way up. Now, the Royals, they're also in fifth place, but man, their path to the playoffs is a lot tougher than the Diamondbacks because this AL Central is now at a three-way tie for first, second, and third place atop that division as the White Sox and the Indians, we mentioned earlier, both won last night and the Twins lost. The White Sox won over the Royals by a score of 6-5, to five, and this game was basically decided by the bullpens. I mean, I took the Royals in this one because I thought Duffy would pitch better than Lopez, but this game was 4-4 in the seventh. It basically came down to the bullpens, and in the end of the day, it was the Chicago Bats that came up clutch, and the Royals, uh, they tied the game a couple times, but they weren't able to keep up. You mentioned they tied the game a couple of times. This is very much a back-and-forth game. You know, for a while, it, you weren't sure if White, the White Sox were going to take it. For a while, you weren't sure if the Royals were going to take it. Definitely close right down to the wire, and that's emphasized by the fact that Yasmani Grandal 
uh, almost really makes a, a, what would have been a really critical error is uh, there's a play at second base and as the ball comes back over to him in the catcher position, he's not paying attention. The ball goes right through the wickets uh, and then a run scores to tie the game and send the White Sox to the bottom of the ninth. But he picks himself and his team back up with a home run into right field. Uh, a strong performance from Grandal in this one. I was pretty surprised with the way Reynaldo Lopez pitched in this one. I mean, we've talked about the fact that he hasn't gone very deep into some games. We've talked about the fact that he's looked shaky. I think four innings of two-run ball is pretty much a, a decent ask for Reynaldo Lopez. I mean, he's not a guy who's going to work tremendously deep. He's not a guy who's going to strike a ton of guys out and look dominant on the mound. But, I mean, hey, if you're getting four or five innings out of this guy and he's only given up one or two runs, I think you take that every day of the week. I'm still wary. Anytime you give up six hits and two walks, and that's eight base runners in just four innings, I'm not going to be in love with those numbers. The the 2.0 whip, but yeah, two two runs. You can't argue with that. Kept the minute and ultimately led them to getting that win. Now around the rest of the league, we saw all sorts of great pitching. Corbin Burns struck out ten in six shutout innings. Sixto Sanchez struck out ten in seven scoreless innings he's looking really good emerging quickly and out west Andrew Heaney goes seven and two thirds also striking out 10 he gives up just one earned could be a guy on the move depending on what the vision long term for the Angels are you'll have to stay tuned see what they want to do with that but speaking of those Angels I've got four pitchers and a shortstop here that I want to know who you think are likeliest to move and if you've got a hypothetical because these guys are probably the biggest names that could move and if we see any action at all these would be the headliners so Matt Boyd, Andrelton Simmons, Johnny Cueto, Trevor Bauer, Lance Lynn. How do you order those five? I think Lance Lynn sits at the top of that list. I mean, he's an older guy. He's on a, a deal that's pretty manageable. He's a guy who's going to be able to give you a ton of innings. And, I mean, he's been as impressive as anyone in the major leagues this year on the mound. I mean, what a story for that guy. And I think it would be great for the Rangers to be able to move him on. Maybe you acquire someone for the future. And Lance Lynn has the ability to make any contender just that much better. And a hypothetical contender? A hypothetical contender is where the question marks show up. Honestly, as of right now, I think the Tampa Bay Rays could probably use a little bit of help in the starting pitching spot. I mean, we've seen Yarborough and his issues, and you know, you're never sure with injuries. I think Lance Lynn would be a tremendous third guy to have behind Tyler Glass now and Blake Snell. I mean, if you add him to that rotation and those are your three main guys going into the playoffs, that Rays team is scary. Especially in a best of three. We know everyone's going to have to go through a best of three. Honestly, I don't know how much I trust Tyler Glasnow right now in the best of three. We've seen him do great stuff. We've seen him be off. And if they go and get a Lance Lynn, they have so much prospect depth. I feel like it they would be feasible and it would really help. So I, I think that's a great fit. That's uh that's that's one that makes sense. I was thinking the Braves just because oh, yeah. they're in trouble, but I think the the Rays actually is probably a better connection because I don't know if Lynn makes the Braves a World Series favorite, but I think you put them on that Rays team, they jump right into that conversation. And speaking of aces, today is a great day for baseball if you want to see some of the best arms going at it. The number two guy in NL ERA, Trevor Bauer, hosts the number three guy in NL ERA, Hugh Darvish. 
1.65 and 1.70 for them respectively as they pitch in the first half of a doubleheader between the Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds today at 4:10 p.m. Eastern. I've got I've got to go with Darvish in this one. I mean, he's looked so good and sure we've seen Bauer do some good stuff in seven inning stretches, but if I don't have to trust the Cubs bullpen to protect a lead and Darvish has the potential to just pitch a clean seven, then I'm going to go with him. He's looked so good so far. Listen, brother, as a Cubs fan, I know every night that you Darvish has the potential to go seven innings, but I also know that sometimes he runs his pitch count up a little bit and finds himself in trouble in those sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, respectively. Uh, he's not a guy who's always going to work deep for you, but Trevor Bauer has been pretty much the king of the seven-inning game so far this season. He's looked almost perfect in a, in a lot of those games that he's pitched for the Cincinnati Reds. And I mean, you know, he's one of those guys who has the potential to complete those seven innings every time out. He's a competitor. He's going to battle. And I think you Darvish's pitch count hurts him in this one. And I don't like the way the Cubs bullpen looks. And I think Trevor Bauer is going to have a strong game against the Cubs in this one. Another guy that we hope to see go deep. We saw him go six last time. We only saw him go two before that. Jack Flaherty hosts Carlos Carrasco as the... Cardinals try to come back from a 14-2 loss. I mean, you, you got to do something after that. They're taking the field at 1.15 p.m. Eastern today. I think they, they have some kind of response. There's got to be some statement in response, right? I think you have to have something after that pretty abysmal game that you put together against Cleveland. I mean, you know, it's, it's not often that teams will get knocked around like that consecutively. And I think St. Louis comes out in this one angry. And I think that that is going to power them to a win. And anytime you have Jack Flaherty going on the mound for you, you're going to be in a good position to win a ball game. And finally, this isn't one that we would have circled on our calendar months ago, but where we sit right now in the standings, it actually could be pretty interesting. As Baltimore visits Salem Field to take on the Blue Jays, they sit two and a half games back of Toronto for the final spot in that AL expanded playoff structure. And if Baltimore wants to surprise someone and, and, and steal the way from Toronto... They're probably in one of the best positions now that they will be for the rest of the year. They've been struggling of late. They've only won two of their last 10, and they got to right the ship quickly. They're facing Taiwan Walker, who makes his Blue Jays debut tonight at 6.30, and they're going up against a red-hot Randall Grichik, who they saw burn them in Camden Yards for four home runs in three games. He walked it off last night in Game 1 of the series, and dating back to August 14th, he's tied for first in the MLB in home runs and has sole possession of the MLB lead for extra base hits and RBIs. I'm going with Toronto, and I want to see Walker look good in his Blue Jays debut. I think I take the Blue Jays in this one as well, but I mean, the Jays don't really give you any reason to be super confident and take them uh, running away with this one. They're six and nine against teams that are below 500. And pretty recently, this Baltimore Orioles team has hit a skid. They've lost three straight. And I like the way the Jays shape up. And I'm excited for Taiwan Walker's debut. I just hope that he's able to put something strong together for the Blue Jays. Well, that'll be it for our time. You can find the show on Twitter at Trip Morning. You can find us on Instagram at Morning Round Trip. And if you're not already following both those pages, there is no better time than today to go check out the Instagram, especially as our graphic designer, Kayla Rosmus, put up a sharp-looking graphic for the trade deadline. Really nice, really clean. Definitely go check that out today. We thank you for joining us for episode 50 the big anniversary episode 
and we'll be right back here tomorrow as we start the second half of our trek to triple digits as we move to episode 51. For Drew Frank and Liam Crothers, thank you for listening and have a great day.